We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Everybody to another edition of the Rockpile Report Podcast. I am your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger. And it's finally time. Chris, it's finally time to get in here. Stop dicking around. Yeah, it's the middle of July. Season's right around the goddamn corner. <laughs> time to stop dicking around and actually talk about a little football. Chris, how much do we appreciate our listeners for sticking through the doldrums of the summer when there's really nothing to talk about? I mean, I don't know why they listen in the first place, but... <laughs> no one ever does, do they? It's... it's. I'm just... I'm happy we took a week off. No one would know it, but we took a week off. It felt weird, didn't it? No, it felt good. I didn't see you. <laughs> Yeah, what, so why don't you lay out, what, why didn't we record last week? Uh, well, where I work, we don't work the week of July 4th. We're off, so uh, I went to Kansas City to visit my brother. I have not seen my brother in Kansas since he's moved there 10 years ago. So, you know, I moved back here in November of 11, So, and then I eventually got engaged, married, divorced, <laughs> job changes so i didn't have the financial structure to go visit my brother until now and i finally did it and i drove and the lady and i we made it out there in 14 hours flat we left at 3 30 in the morning on the 4th of july and got in at i think 5 30 that's some impressive driving sir yeah so you get there you get out to kansas city missouri Hanging out with your brother? Has Close. he developed? He's in Kansas. Okay, he's in Kansas. Yeah, he is like 10 minutes west of Lawrence, Kansas. Okay, here's a question. Has he developed a Midwestern drawl yet, just from his time out there? 
Well, I mean, he was already living <clears throat> in the South, so he has it. He has it. Ah, see, there's this weird phenomenon that happens that when people move, they just, I think, involuntarily start picking up the dialect of the the people around them. Have you noticed that? Being from the South and then coming back up here to Buffalo? Yeah, hundreds of times that I've gone back down to the South, they're like, oh, this is Yankee. is Yankee. And then I come back up here, and it's like, hey, why I got that Southern accent? <laughs> it's like, I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't have a Northern accent, and I do not have a Southern accent. So... All in all, what did you do in the trip? Tell, tell the folks how it was. Share a little bit of your life, since it's always me sharing my ridiculous stories. Uh, well, my brother bought a house like two years ago, uh, just west of Lawrence, Kansas. And he's he is his driveway is a quarter mile long. We had to... There was a rotting tree, and over the course of the week, you could just see one of the branches just getting lower and lower. So we had to go out and... Chopped down a tree. My cousin from Orlando was also there. Yeah, your so, girlfriend was texting uh, my wife and I pictures of you with an axe, and she goes, look at him, like a real man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am, like a real man. So we uh, cut down a, a couple of bran- giant branches, and uh, you got to remind me, because I do have in my car, I have a couple of pieces of mulberry wood from my brother's property. Ooh. <clears throat> yeah, that way you can uh, you can smoke. But it was just a nice, relaxing. Like my brother's neighbors, you can't see them. See, that's the best. Yeah, that's the best formula. You can't see them, but their neighbor, like their. I met one of, I met one neighbor, and they have, they have a dog Maverick that just lives outside. It's just, <laughs> see, it's just, that's that's Midwest living, baby. It's just gr- that's dog clean is living. Just gross, and then they, <laughs> dog lives outside. And they, and they also have a couple of goats and a donkey. There you go. So we we fed the donkey a couple of carrots, uh, went into Lawrence, did a couple things, and uh, this sounds like the best trip ever, Chris. Yeah, just, you're making it sound like the most exciting thing ever. It was very relaxing. I mean, my brother, we we did bring my brother a case of Molson Dry. Yes, we drank all of that. <laughs> that was fun, and then my brother in return had a twelve pack of Montucky. Yes, in his, sir. In his refrigerator that we drank, and then. I mean, I don't know if you can see in, in front of my desk here. I have, oh, yes. I have all the Montucky. I bought 30, 33 packs and four 12 packs. I cleaned out the <laughs> the liquor store of all their Montucky. <laughs> As you should. Yeah, so, we did go to... Uh, and I, and I but did, that's not the only delicious treat that you brought back with you, sir. No, I brought back like seven bottles of bourbon. So like the... Midwest the, bourbon. The, I think it was the Friday. Yeah, it was Friday. Last Friday, we went to into Kansas, into Kansas City, Missouri, because my cousin was leaving late afternoon. So we went out to Weston, Missouri, and we went to the Holiday Distilling. It's the oldest distillery west of the Mississippi. Nice. So we got it. We did a tour there, and while we were on the tour, somebody said to my brother, mentioned something about a place in town in Weston. And so after we finished the distillery tour, we went to this place called Celtic Ranch. So I want you guys to picture like your typical, like think of Back to the Future 3, but through town it's a paved road. 
<laughs> okay. It was like so similar to that. And so we parked and then we went into this place, Celtic Ranch, and it's like a t-shirt shop. They have apparel. But then when you walk into the back, it's just all bourbon and whiskey and scotch. Okay. So you can just like go in the back and shop bourbon, rye, whiskeys, scotches. And then if you want to go upstairs to the bar, you have to go up a spiral staircase. It's pretty cool. To the bar. And what was cool is they had they had all the levels of their all their uh, whiskey, bourbon, rye, and scotches like behind the bar. They had them listed as like airplanes, coach, first class, business class. <laughs> That's awesome. So we we did buy a, a like I went to I went to town there. I think I bought I bought two or three bottles of whiskey from there. One of them with the Is this the one where we no, have here? No, I bought that one at the liquor the liquor store, a cork and barrel. All right. So I picked up I picked up a bottle of Sonoma, which is from California, and then Sonoma Rye. And then like a I I don't even remember the name that we're that we have. It's like a I wanna say it's like West Bottom Kansas City whiskey. I picked it up at Cork and Barrel. It's the the local liquor store in uh in my brother's town did i get that right west bottoms whiskey company kansas city whiskey 47 percent alcohol 94 proof west bottoms originally a manufacturing and transportation hub for the industry of kansas in the spirit of industrial revolution constantly experimenting with new grains distilling techniques this is a rye and bourbon blend with Sherry cask finish. Yeah, I want to say there was $30, $30 at Cork and Barrel. Well, I'll tell you what. Hopefully it doesn't drink like a $29 whiskey, but I'll tell you what. Bottoms up. Yep. You've procured this delicious beverage. We're going to partake of it. Cheers to you. Yep. That is shockingly smooth. For being a whiskey that costs about 30 bucks. that's a smooth whiskey. Yeah, I think the Sonoma that I bought at Cork and Barrel were like $40 a bottle. And then the the well, here's what I love. We're toasting you and your girlfriend taking the first trip of your relationship. Yeah, we did. It's always a rough one. Yeah, and my, me and my wife just for my wife and I. She doesn't like to travel. She's a bad traveler. She hates flying. She's deathly not afraid, but she's just convinced she's going to die every time she sets foot on an airplane. So we don't travel a ton. Like, we don't fly around a lot. She, she's kind of a home, not a homebody in the sense she doesn't like going out here locally. She's a homebody in the sense that once she makes it outside the borders of Western New York for more than half a day, she starts to get homesick. And she wants to be back here in Buffalo. That's nuts. It is a little crazy. But I can tell you that we've taken trips, even just out-of-towners, weekenders, a lot of disasters, a lot of... Epic disasters. How did this one go? It went fine. Like we didn't, we didn't argue at all. See, I mean, it, that's it, what I love about you guys. It's it's, you know, it's annoying at you know eight thirty in the morning when she like we're in Ohio and she reaches back and goes into the food bag that we prepared and she tries to offer me a Werther's original. <laughs> she, my girlfriend literally brought Werther's originals. Because she's a cla- because she's a classy dame. Yeah, the you know it it would be nice to know you know if 
any of you guys out there on Twitter, tweet at us at Report. I want to know if you guys prefer flying or driving to a location. Because I chose to drove to drive to Kansas City so I can bring shit back. And and bring shit back you did. A delicious whiskey. A whiskey so tasty that I'm almost ashamed that I'm about to do this. But Chris, it's ice cold and I can't help myself. Montucky Cold Snack. You guys hear that? This is the beer that Joe Dirt would drink if he had a podcast. Yeah, Kyle Washington sent us mm. two cans of Montucky Cold Snack. It's essentially the, it's the official unofficial beer of Montana. Yeah, come on, well, who can't get behind that? It's a sa- like oh, it's delicious. It's so clean. It's f- for people that don't know Montucky. It's essentially like in the same sense of a Jenny Cream Ale, which is only in Western New York, and it's the cheap Western New York local beer that you can probably get. From Syracuse, maybe into Erie, and in that range. Like, Montucky, you can only get out west. I think them, Kansas City might be as far east as they go. Like, a thirty, I bought three 30-packs. They were $22 a piece. <laughs> oh, this stuff is delicious. Like, I think I once coined it as, uh, it's Coors Light with rattlesnake boots on. Yeah. I've missed this beer. Chris, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, lady. Hope you guys enjoyed your trip. I have, I, we have now a fridge full of delicious Montucky. I've got a glass full of some of the most d- drinkable $30 whiskey I've ever s- had in my entire life. And it's good because we're here to talk about football. I'm, not, I'm in a good mood. I've got good beverages. Before we finally we, got some good we, football to talk about. Before you jump into it, can you go into the refrigerator and pull me out a Seagram's? There might be a peach, a peach in there. There is a peach Bellini, yeah. sir. Pe- toss that over here. I'm not going to throw it no, because you're no. not going to catch it. Yeah, I'm an athlete. Caught it. Caught it. All right. God, I did that my butthole puckered when I chucked that thing across the room. Chris, we have a real studio yeah, now. We can't you, be breaking things in here. We, You did throw it with your left hand, which you are not left-handed. But, no. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to break down the fourth wall here. So the last two podcasts we did were recorded on June 30th with the AFC East one being released on the 7th and then mark smith our attorney was like what no intro <laughs> that's right I, you were already on vacation mode yeah you fucked up the <laughs> yeah like i didn't put that show together the night we recorded i put it together the next day friday I think friday the first i put it together and i uploaded it and you know left it in there as a draft so you can finish doing the write-up and naming the episode and then on thursday you know i'm in, i've got I'm not coming home till Sunday. And Mark said, there's no intro in our group chat. I'm like, well, this is going to be a thing going forward. So if I miss something production-wise like that, like I did Folks, it. let us know at Rock Pile Report on Twitter. Chris will drink a Seagram's for yeah. every production error he makes. Yeah, so this is for not putting in the intro for the AFC show. <laughs> Get in there. While he's sipping on that, folks, I'm here to tell you all about... F- we're back to football, Right. Now, now, what I did, years past, I think I've been pretty open about this this summer with you guys. Again, we talk about breaking down the fourth wall because, let's face it, we're, we're big enough losers we can afford to be honest with you guys because when it comes down to it, you all know that we're dorks. We had summers full of content in years past. Positional overviews. Uh, Matt Perino and uh, Ryan Talbot from NewYorkUpstate.com used to come on this show and do offensive and defensive previews. 
it's funny we're recording this on the 14th. I went back and I looked over the last few years, 2018, 2019, 2020. We were recording the show basically on the same day, the 13th, the 15th, and the 11th of July. And when I go back and I look at those shows, in 2018, we were doing a Jets team preview. In 2015, training camp preview with Ryan Talbot, looking at the entire offense and the makeup of the depth chart. Last uh, 2020, it was Matt Perino talking about the defense. The problem is, is that when you look at where we are today from a content production standpoint, this team has no drama. There's not a whole lot of question marks that carry any gravitas to them. That's a great place to be if you're a fan of the football team, and it's a terrible place to be if you're a content creator. But I can tell you that I would happily sacrifice arguments over whether a rookie running back can be the savior of our rushing attack this year, or if wasting whole podcasts parsing through Forrest Lamp versus Cody Ford as a starting offensive guard. If it means that I get to walk around with peace of mind knowing that my football team is going to be pretty fucking good when Sundays roll around in September, or I guess, Chris, this season it's like Thursdays and Mondays and Sunday nights. (laughs) We're all over the road. But with all of that said, there are some legitimate battles that are going to take place when training camp does come around. There are things to pay attention to. Now, none of them carry the same weight that other teams are going to... Like, our our camp battles, Chris, don't carry any of the weight that other teams around the conference are going to run into, right? Correct. Which, that's half the reason the Bills are being given all the credit ahead of the season that they are. is because we're one of the teams that has no questions. I don't want to say no questions, but no cardinal questions. No major concerns in terms of, oh my god, what if. So, you know how I like apples and apples comparisons, right? Apples to apples. That's the best way to do everything, right? Green to red apples. I present to you my case as far as why I feel this way and why I believe that it's correct. Because, Chris, people hand ring, right? There's certain people. How comfortable are you with this idea that the Bills are being touted as Super Bowl favorites? How comfortable are you with it? I'm comfortable with it. With you presenting a case, we got to bring back Rockpile Report Court. Yeah, we basically just, Kyle Fahey just came out here and got two hand behind the head, 360 spin dunked on. It was pretty awesome, though. Nah, not really. That was that that episode was over uh, whether or not Patrick Mahomes was an NFL quarterback. <laughs> Clearly, you were wrong. <laughs> but I won the day, and that's all that really matters. So, if you take a look, because this is the thing, when you take a look at the Bills' problems and you compare, everyone will look at the Bills' roster and go, "Oh my God, what about this? What about this? What about this?" It's better if you can take a step back for a second, turn your fandom off and look at everything in a vacuum. The best way to do that is to look at your corollaries. So I'm sitting here going, let's take a look at last year's playoff teams, just a handful of them. Some of the AFC's blue bloods, the guys that you expect to be there when, you know, when playoff time rolls around. The Ravens. Now, if you're a movie buff, the big ticket thing to, to watch here, quarterback contract drama. This is what happens when you don't have an NFL agent. Yeah. 
Your, his, uh, Lamar's agent, I think, is his mother. Yeah. And if he had an agent, his agent would be drumming up positive press behind the scenes on his behalf. He wouldn't be being listed. Oh, my God, Chris. If only that fuck Bill Barnwell hadn't blocked us on Twitter. Oh, I would have taken that. I I genuinely, Chris, considered when that article at ESPN came out saying that Lamar Jackson was not a top 10 quarterback. <laughs> I wanted to take I wanted to go online, create a burner account using my wife's cell phone number. And then it would just be Rock Pile Report 2. And in the bio, it would say, this exists because Bill Barnwell sucks. And I would just start waterboarding him over that article until he blocked us again. I Because I'm an ass. And then we get another burner account with my phone number. <laughs> and then we just continue this and we remind him, listen, we are legion. And then we ask for <laughs> phone number donations to continue. <laughs> The, petty, he, the pettiness towards un, Bill Barnwell until he loses what very little hair he has left. But this is like, like this is the thing. He's now all of a sudden being viewed as not a great quarterback, even though he was just an MVP two what two seasons ago, yeah. three seasons ago. He was a league MVP, and it's he's not alone. Bernard Pollard, and longtime NFL safety Bernard Pollard, would like him and Lamar Jackson have been waging a Twitter war against each other. P- Pollard is taking him to the cleaners. Basically, he was like, listen, the, no wide receivers. Are, he's like, everyone respects Lamar Jackson. They know he's a tough player. They know that they, they, they respect playing with him. Also, no wide receivers want to come play with him because they know. Deep down, they all know that he can't make those throws. He's not going to be able to make them look good. And that's why none of this works. Didn't Sammy go there? Yeah. And how'd that work? And then you went to Green Bay. Yeah. It didn't work. Marquise Brown was their last 1,000-yard receiver, and he requ- he wanted a trade. He forced his way off the team. But <laughs> the it, only good receiver they had. But also, doesn't Greg Roman's offense not utilize the wide receiver? No, it does not. It utilizes the tight end and the run game. And why do you think that is? I don't know. Aren't uh, those the moves you make when you don't think your quarterback can make those throws? Yeah, because he's better on his feet than he is with his arm. And think about this. The team has said that they've made him offers, but if they were offering him top th- top of the market money, or even somewhere in the top three, he would have already signed a contract, right? Yeah. So what the fuck is the problem here? Why isn't he signed? Yeah, where would he go? No idea, but, Detroit? I, lo- but I love the fact that this is happening because it's drama. You have a quarterback problem... And you have no backup options. If you're to stick with the, I guess, movie theater theme, the matinee. There was another big ticket item. I mean, we're not going to talk about it because I sent it to you via text and it was hilarious. <laughs> you remember? This was like a couple weeks ago. Oh, no. That, that I, I sent it to no, you. No, I don't. It was about their injuries. Oh, from what? Yeah. Last year? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, folks, you, you can kind of figure that out on your own. The matinee is the wide receiver depth chart here. Their whole wide receiver depth chart is a collection of players with upside, but zero proven ability. I mean, Rashad Bateman has half a season to his credit. Uh, Their number two are Duvernay and Tylen Wallace. And the thing is, this battle, once they figure out who goes where, who's wide receiver one, who's, who's the X, who's the Z, who plays the slot... Then it's, can we get on the same page as this quarterback who hasn't been able to maintain a successful relationship with any wide receiver during his career? 
Chris, who's the last receiver that you've heard talked about on the Ravens team is like, man, him and Lamar just have such good chemistry. I don't think it was with Lamar. It might have been with Trent Dilfer. <laughs> that was probably the last time. I mean, Joe Flacco and Anquan Bolden were pretty good. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Bolden. But yeah, there's he has yet to cultivate a single successful relationship with a wide receiver. Now we're supposed to believe that he's going to do it with three under-experienced guys. I, look at this. They haven't had quality production out of the wide receiver position. What, Mike Wallace. Do you remember Mike Wallace back when he was a thing? Was that when he was at the Steelers? Then went to the Ravens and caught a thousand. He So he had a thousand yard season back in 2016. They have one 1,000 yard receiver since then. One. As a franchise. They've got a lot of fucking problems over there. And between the contract think about this if you're a running quarterback chris and you know you have no you don't know if you're gonna get paid next year or not are you feeling as spry to go take off running in the open field if you're a quarterback who's coming back off all those injuries lamar jackson was no i just this is a problem it's a big problem and the ravens need to figure it out the titans hilarious the titans their hilarious exit from the playoffs last year after being the one seed which, even though it did kind of like, they should have beaten. Chris, how do you sack a quarterback nine times and not beat them? I don't know how that that doesn't work. The big ticket thing here for them is also the wide receiver depth chart for totally different reasons. They've got a Robert Woods who's coming off a torn ACL late in the 2021 season. Basically around the same, just like a week or two before Trey White tore his ACL. They're talking about Trey White maybe not being ready for the start of the season. Robert Woods ain't making it. He's probably not in that discussion. Rookie wide receiver Traylon Burks hasn't been able to practice. The, the, the Walmart LaVisca Chenault has not been able to practice all preseason because of asthma. Asthma. Someone get the guy an inhaler. What are we doing here? Asthma? Listen, I'm not trying to downplay asthma. I'm sure a lot of you have it. I had it as a child and luckily grew out of it. But when you as a franchise trade away A.J. Brown because you don't want to pay him, and then you draft a guy that you think is going to be his replacement, you think you do your due diligence on that, right? Yeah. The wide receiver depth chart for the Titans has two players that had any real playing time in 2022 at all. One guy's name is Racy McMath. That doesn't even sound real. It sounds like one of those fake names that they put into Japanese baseball games back in the 90s for Nintendo. Uh, what, what was it? Uh, 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 Bases du- loaded on yeah. NES? Yes. And it was, uh, what was it, Dugnut? was one of the games. The guy was uh, Robert Dugnut. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's, it's hilarious. Google it. It sounds like a fake name. Racy McMath. <laughs> I, I, I'd have a beer with that guy, though. Racy McMath. I just like saying it. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, if Robert Woods comes back a hundred percent, I mean, when though? It's not the problem. I'm not, I'm is not Chris, looking at it, Chris. They lost Johnny Smith. I'm not looking at it as when. I'm looking. I don't know. I just whenever I see Robert Woods, I just think of his ability to run block. Yes, like, but here's a, but this is the problem. He's a good run blocker. Is he a wide receiver one in a dynamic passing attack? Not for Ryan no. Tannehill. So the mo- so a, one of the more one-dimensional teams on offense in the NFL just got more one-dimensional. Yeah, that's how I looked at him <laughs> getting traded to Tennessee was making sure that 
the run game was intact. Because <laughs> that's all they're going to have. Yeah. That's all they got. And if there's a matinee to be had here, if you want to take in a cheap show, it's like the Buzz Lightyear meme, Chris, where he's just pointing to Woody and he's everywhere. Which one, the Tim Allen one or the Chris Evans one? The Tim Allen one. Rookies everywhere. (laughs) The Titans have a roster where from wide receiver to offensive line to cornerback and safety, there's an incredible amount of their depth that's made up by rookies. It reminds me a lot of the Bills rosters we used to see back in the early 2000s and like mid-2000s. Like 500 football teams. Because you could do well for an early portion of the season or you'd get some chunks where you'd be you'd string a couple wins together. But as soon as injuries started to pile up, you're literally replacing them with guys who should be on a practice squad. That's what the Titans have built here. They have nothing. I mean, for every Derrick Henry, Jeffrey Simmons, and Harold Landry, you've got a Caleb Farley and a Robert Woods, and then you've got nothing beyond that that you even know about. They're all question marks. The NFL is one of the few sports where the injury, like what, the injury rate's 100%? No team makes it out of a season unscathed. Correct. This roster is not built to withstand any kind of injury. So I don't know what they think they're building. I don't know where that goes. The Titans might be one of my, you know, we're going to do an AFC roundtable show before the start of the season with some, uh, no, no, with some, some diverse guests, some first timers. Some, we're going to bring back JK to third. Oh, we're going to have a blast. Chris, remember the time I got <laughs> hammered and yeah. picked the Jaguars to repeat as AFC <laughs> Yeah, we, AFC contenders. Well, we did a sh- show with Derek C. Apollo on Rams Talk. Also on the Blue Wire Network now. Yeah, also funny. On, he trashed the network when we joined it, and now he's on it. Yeah, and then probably uh, shouldn't have said that, but fuck it. Well, yeah, and then um, yeah, we did his show, and you picked the Jaguars. I was fifteen beers deep to go to the Super Bowl. I was Shane Gillising my way through that podcast. What af- do you want from me? After they had uh, made it to the title game the previous year, and I. Like I had to like break it down for you. I had to like step in as a producer, and I had to say, "You're sure you're, you think Nate Hackett and Doug Marone will repeat? Beat, will beat Belichick and McDaniel's?" Like I had to break it down that way to, to just to let you know you're picking these coaches to do better. Well, and they didn't. They didn't. I don't think they made the playoffs. Yeah, well, I'm telling you this. I'm calling my shot now. Titans, biggest team in the AFC, biggest regression. First first seed in the AFC last year at the end of the regular season. Biggest regression of the year comes from the Tennessee Titans. You it's my hot take. I mean, not to promote things, but next week we got Nate Geary, and I would say Nate Geary might say this that about who we're talking about next. Ah, the Kansas City Chiefs. If you're looking to watch them like a movie, your big ticket is Juju versus MVS versus Josh Gordon to figure out who the hell is your wide receiver one and wide receiver three. Obviously, Kelsey's number two. From 2021 to 2022, Kansas City lost 1,932 receiving yards, 11 touchdowns, and I think more importantly, 170 receptions and 108 first downs, all with the departure of Tyreek Hill and Nicole Hardman. That was their de facto wide receiver one and wide receiver three. They replaced him with bodies, but I don't know how it's the same. Juju and Gordon combined for 20 receptions and one touchdowns over the last calendar year. 
both of them have been unavailable, widely unavailable, for the last two years. MVS is coming off a career low in yardage and receptions while playing with fucking Aaron Rodgers. Nate hit the, hit the nail on the head in our post-draft show. It'd be one thing if this was an underutilized player like uh, when John Brown. John Brown's a perfect example. When he came to Buffalo, everyone goes, John Brown, okay, he kind of has had an up-and-down career. We know he's a little fast. Well, his he got here, and Josh Allen needed a number one, and John Brown's production exploded because he was finally playing with a legitimate quarterback. This guy was playing with Aaron Rodgers. First ballot Hall of Famer, Aaron Rodgers. If that guy couldn't get anything else out of him, like what what more can Patrick Mahomes do that Aaron Rodgers didn't? I have no idea. I mean, we already saw him output him on the green. Yeah. It's what what more can Mahomes do that Aaron Rodgers didn't to make him a legitimate deep threat in the NFL? And none of the three have played a complete season recently. Like, that's wild to me. These guys are hurt. They're unavailable. And, oh, by the way, none of them are really that good. Throwing the ball is essentially what the KC offense is. That's their identity. And they've thrived because the safeties have to play them differently when Tyreek Hill is on the field. You no longer have that all-world threat, that five-time Pro Bowl speed threat. It's. I feel like life is going to get really hard for them, and it's going to be up to these three guys to figure out how they mitigate that. Good luck. There's a matinee here, which is kind of funny. Lucas Niang and Andrew Wiley at right tackle. Wiley's been a mediocre pass protector for his entire career. Niang hasn't been any better, and he's younger. They've both had plenty of opportunities to figure it out from 2017 to 2020. Like, there's just no, (laughs) there's nothing here for these guys. And yet, Chris, they're going to be starting the equivalent of a backup. Starting a backup on most NFL teams that consider themselves to be contenders. That sounds fun. And if there's a if there's an encore that you could come back for for thirds, if you're like, man, those first two movies were so good, I got to come back for another cornerback. The Chiefs legitimately have one defensive back on the roster in Legereus Sneed, who's a lock to start. Everybody else is some sort of also ran or cast off from another team. DeAndre Baker. Like, his situation was kind of fucked up. Like, he gets accused of armed robbery. Yeah. Then he's acquitted, but he's out there. He's a free agent. So what does he do? He signs with the Chiefs. Why wouldn't you? You can get a ring, right? Yeah. Tears his, tears his Achilles. Because you haven't been keeping up in shape while you've been away from the game of football. First game or second game, he's out there. He tears his Achilles. He's done. He's never, He hasn't been the same player. Rashad Fenton isn't going to make anybody, isn't going to be a household name anytime soon. Or they're rookies. So imagine watching your conference do what the AFC West did this year. Just exploding with offensive talent. All of a sudden, the Broncos have a legitimate quarterback. All of a sudden, there's an all-worldwide receiver on the Raiders to go along with a Darren Waller. All of a sudden, you have to, if you're the Chiefs, you got to go, hey, our shitty pass defense has to go up against a team that can do what we've been doing to teams for forever, which is we're going to hit you with a fast, shifty wide receiver, but oh, by the way, we have an all-world talent to tight end. Like, you have a conference that's all of a sudden exploding in talent in these various places that happen to be your weakness, and you got to turn to your cornerback group and go, all right, 
this, I mean, it's like major league over there, Chris. That's their that's their defensive back group. It's the movie major league. How hilarious is that? I like it. The uh, AFC West is gonna might be one of those uh, divisions where everybody finishes above five hundred. Remember, remember that year? I think it was the AFC East where everybody was like one team was ten and six and everyone else was nine and seven, and we finished in last. <laughs> Either that or we were eight and eight. Like everybody was like five hundred or above. I think it was the year we had one of the years we had Bledsoe. That that actually tracks. Like I would believe that with Bledsoe at quarterback because he was good I'm enough. To, to I'm gonna have to look that up now. Look that up. Hey, you're you're basically Jamie uh, Jamie Vernon on this podcast. I gotta yeah. start. In fact, I gotta start leveraging that more. What's the phrase? How do you want me to refer to it? Like, Joe Rogan goes, Jamie, would you look that up? Yeah, right How here. You- I, I guessed it correctly. I just put in 2002 Buffalo ah, Bills. There it is. Record 8-8, eight eight, fourth place. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty wild. Yeah, it is. How would you like yeah. me to refer to you when I want you to Google things? Uh, because we have giant screens in the studio. We might as well I don't know. Them. You can just refer to me by my name, Chris. Look at this. Look at this. O two, 2 Jets, Patriots, Dolphins, all 9-7, and seven, Bills 8-8. Eight and eight. That might be the AFC West this year. God, that's incredible. The AFC North. All right, we're beating up on them. The Bengals are the only team that I don't have any questions about. The Steelers. The big ticket thing here, Mitch Trubisky versus Kenny Pickett for quarterback one. Baby hands can't win that, can he? I don't think so. I think that's Mitch's. It's Mitch's to start. Yeah, his contract is heavily incentivated though for playing time, which means that they don't expect him to play a ton. Like they're not paying him starter money; they're saying, "Listen, here's an opportunity. If you think you can grab it by the reins and take it, take it." The matinee here is defensive end, because given the surprising retirement of uh, Stephon Tuitt, one of their most consistent trench players over the last few years, I don't know who steps into that role. Chris, the, the Steelers are a team that will always be driven by that front seven on defense. Yeah. In fact, their defense is basically their identity, isn't it? And I think it has been since the 70s. The Steel Curtain. We are tough, hard-nosed football. We're going to run the ball a bunch. We're not going to put... You don't see them running Kansas City Chief wide open, air no. raid style. No. They don't, have, they don't have that anymore. No, no. But even but when did they have it? Well, Big Ben used to throw 60 times a game. That's an exaggeration, but they did throw it a little bit more back when they had like Santonio Holmes. Yeah. Um, Heinz Ward. R- Antoine Randall L. He also threw the ball. In that Super Bowl. Yeah. I actually ran that play against a buddy in Madden one year, and he quit the game because I made it for a touchdown, and he just quit. <laughs> He's like, you know what? The fact that you pulled off a trick play in a video game where I should have seen this coming, I quit. I concede. This is going to be a problem. Their front seven integrity is integral to this team, and I, I don't know who's... Right now, their depth chart doesn't look great in that regard because they weren't expecting him to retire. And if there's an encore to be had here, it's probably wide receiver, like most teams in our in our in, in our conference. What they have one one thousand yard performance to their name since 2018. Like people make fun of the Ravens, Chris. The yeah. reason I keep saying your name is because there's some people out there. Ooh, 
Listen to the AFC East Roundup, the start of that show. You'll understand. Chris, the one where there's no intro? No, 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 this next one that we're about to record tonight. Guys, go listen to this to find out why I keep saying Chris over and over again. It's going to be funny. So, (sighs) we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We all give the Ravens shit for not being good at securing wide receiver talent or executing when they have it. Well, the Steelers haven't been much better, right? This tough-nosed identity has become all they have. Uh, Big Ben comes to old age. He disappears. The quarterback situation is if that wasn't going to have enough of an impact. Their depth chart is basically day two and day three rookies from what they had last year. Which means that not only are these new quarterbacks going to have to find their own footing in a new city with a new team and a new scheme, you're going to have young wide receivers who don't have NFL experience trying to build chemistry with them in the process. What, Miles Boykin, the bust from Baltimore, the gadget player and punt returner Gunnar Olszewski from New England. Like if, if this doesn't happen, they're, this is going to be a shit show for them on offense this season. Yeah, I don't view them as much of a threat. And then you look at the Browns. It, it, it's Deshaun Watson versus the NFL. That's the, that's the must-watch TV here. They don't even know if their quarterback's going to be allowed anywhere near the field in 2022, much less who their week one start. Jacoby Brissett could be their starter. Uh, Josh Dobbs could be their starter. How? Josh who, Do- Tennessee University quarterback Josh Dobbs? Yes, sir. What? Yes, sir. What is it, Rocky Top? Rocky Top alumni? (laughs) No. And then you go to our own division. Okay, so the Buffalo Bills, we have a better situation than everyone we just talked about, right? Yeah. Just to bring it back to Buffalo. Then you take a quick look around the AFC East. The Patriots... What the hell is their offensive line going to look like? Isaiah Wynn played 900. Uh, offensive tackle Isaiah Wynn, 914 snaps at left tackle in 2021. Trent Brown manned the right tackle position after coming back from the Raiders. All offseason and through minicamp, they've rotated them, and Wynn is now the right tackle, a position he's never taken a professional snap at. Joe Thomas once said, famous Browns left tackle Joe Thomas once said that Switching from left tackle to right tackle is like being asked to wipe your ass with your non-dominant hand. I mean, if you're if you listeners out there are feeling brave, I go ahead and try it. I did once; it didn't go well. Uh, 
So they're rotating. He's never played anywhere except for the left side of the offensive line. He could all of a sudden be starting on that side. And depending on how the guard situation shifts out, he could be starting next to their first-round pick, Cole Strange's. Like, that's weird, isn't it? Super inexperienced side of the offensive line. Yeah, that is strange. And even if that's not the case, even if he starts next to Owenwu, it doesn't matter because you have a right tackle who's never played right tackle before. Is he a tackle? Sure, maybe it translates. I mean, Orlando Brown's made it work with the Chiefs. Which also, what the fuck are the Chiefs doing? Orlando Brown, you traded for him. You gave up a first-round pick to land this left tackle. And then you decide, as the can't, Chris, this is one more thing I can't wait to get Nate Geary fired up about. You, as the Chiefs, decide that you're going to, what, lowball the guy? You franchise tag him. When he took the job of left tackle with the Ravens, the reason they traded him was because he went to their front office and said, I'm a left tackle now because they get paid more. So I want to play this position. I'm not going back to right tackle because I want money. I want money. I want to get paid like a good tackle in the NFL. So they traded him away to a team that, in theory, would pay him like a good left tackle. And Chris, has he or has he not done the job for the Kansas City Chiefs? He hasn't gotten Patrick Mahomes killed, has he? No. Okay. So here's the problem with what they're doing. You gave up an asset to get him. That's already sunk cost, though, if you want to take that approach. You gave up a first-round pick to land this guy in a trade. But then you are flirting with the concept that you could have to put a rookie out there or because you don't have any money to spend. That's why their team is in shambles right now in terms of their cornerback group, their defensive depth, their line. You could be putting a rookie or a cheap veteran out there to protect your half-billion-dollar investment at quarterback. That's the equivalent of taking a Ferrari and saying, you know what, I don't want to build a garage. I'm going to put it under the carport. It'll be fine. So what if there's hail? It'll be all right. (laughs) It'll be fine. In fact, depending on how things shake out, if they don't find a way to make good with Orlando Brown, it would be like the equivalent of putting it under a tarp in your backyard. Chris, a Ferrari. That's what the Chiefs are doing here. And that's what the Patriots are flirting with here. If they don't figure this out. So it's going to be interesting to see if this experiment works, right? Yeah. I don't think it will. (laughs) I mean, we'll get better information next week with Nate Geary because we know you're not smart. No. And you got the Dolphins. I mean, there's offensive philosophy questions up there in New England. With the Dolphins, they're doing the same thing. They're shuffling their offensive line. You got the Dolphins. The Dolphins are shuffling their offensive line. Uh, what, 10th most pressures allowed in the NFL last season? Ninth most quarterback hurries allowed? Fourth lowest time in the pocket for a quarterback? I, it's a good thing to bring in a bunch of new faces and then not know where the hell anyone's going to play. <laughs> yeah. They've got fucking problems, too. And the Jets, the roster was so bad for the Jets last year that everyone was basically fighting. Like, everyone is fighting for a job right now. When you're a team that has six wins in two seasons, is anybody guaranteed anything? No. Okay. So by comparison to all of that, life as a Bills fan feels pretty rosy, doesn't it? So far, it's so good. So Chris, I want to raise a glass with the last of this whiskey I got in it. Cheers to the Buffalo Bills having the best outlook of anybody in the AFC. Oh, it's delicious. But that doesn't mean that there's nothing to talk about, right? 
Doesn't mean we don't have problems. We've got some camp battles that I'd like to highlight. So, Chris, we we really took a roundabout way to get here, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And to lead off with a kick returner and punt returner. Yeah, that's how shallow our problem pool is. <laughs> it's Mackenzie. Do we need to get Ryan Sullivan on? Cover <laughs> one. It's Mackenzie versus Austin versus Stevenson versus Shakir as kick returner and punt returner. At this time last year, go back to Jan. Go go back to July fourteenth, twenty twenty two. The Bills thought they had the return man situation ironed out. Didn't have to think about it anymore. On January 9th, 2022, or 2021, 2022, January 9th, Micah Hyde was returning punts against the New York Jets in our final home game because they no longer trusted anybody else to do the fucking job. Going into this season, it's difficult to know what the team's plan is in regard to the punt and kick return position is going to be because there isn't anyone who you can claim has the inside track on the job, right? It's easy to say McKenzie. It's easy to say that. Oh, McKenzie. Uh, leading up to the New, New Orleans game on Thanksgiving, McKenzie was in the top 10 of return average in the NFL. Yeah, but he also fumbled because of gravity. And he's already been demoted once. For a rookie, of all things. He's also proven to have those ball security issues that other teams can and will target and exploit. Stevenson was given an opportunity to take the job from that point forward, and he did it so badly that they inevitably brought McKenzie back into the equation because they didn't have anyone else to turn to, and then said, listen, we'll use McKenzie as a kick returner. Micah Hyde is going to be our punt returner. And to his credit, that monster return, Chris, a 52-yard punt return in that New England playoff game, when just yeah. everything was rolling the Bills' way. A 52-yard return. He made smart decisions in terms of fair catches. He's like, listen, I'm not running anything. Because I'm <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to trot out here, fair catch the ball, and go back to the bench. That's what I'm here to do. I think I know when I can make it, but I'm pretty sure I don't want to. And that's what we did in the playoffs. Because we didn't have a body we could trust when the games actually mattered. That's a shitty place to live. The team basically, no pun intended, punted both of these guys. So now you bring in Khalil Shakir and Tavon Austin. You know the people who are on the wide receiver depth chart right now, Chris. Diggs, Davis, Crowder, McKenzie. Those are the top four, aren't they? Yeah. The last two or three spots behind them are a complete dice roll. And when you look at the depth chart, outside of those three players, Austin, Shakir, Stevenson, and McKenzie, there isn't another athlete on the roster who profiles as being capable of a starting option in that kind of a role. If I'm handicapping this thing, here's how I'm looking at it. Regardless of whether some neck-bearded idiot will tell you on Twitter that Austin is a quote-unquote roster lock, I love that, by the way. I love it. And I think you all know who I'm talking about at this point. He's a barely rosterable player for most NFL football teams. Much less one as deep as Buffalo. Who, he, he has some nice things he can do for you on special teams if that's the only thing you're asking him to do. I looked at his stats, Chris. Negative 22 yards before the catch in 2020 with Green Bay. Four, four games, 
five receptions, negative 22 yards before the catch. What does that tell you? He's literally only good for screen passes. Yep. Okay. On a Jaguars team last year that had nothing going for it. They didn't have a play. Who's a, who's a wide receiver that you can name on the Jaguars? Go. Yeah. I don't know. Nobody does. Nobody can name one. Who's that failed wide receiver they drafted? Uh, Blackman. <laughs> Blackman? Will Blackman. Is that right? Will, Will He's Blackman? better on Twitter than he was in the NFL. It's hilarious. On a team with no playmakers to speak of, someone th- a team that's just thirsty for a playmaker, he caught 11 first downs in 13 games. That doesn't scream offensive capability, does it? No. So, I don't know. If you kept Austin as your return man, to me, I don't know, it would just signal that not only did McKenzie really, really fail to improve in terms of the possession issues, his vision issues, but also it would prove that our rookie and sophomore options here are too raw for the team to believe that they'll develop as the season continues. Stevenson will get some opportunities here, but considering the way they treated him last year, I can't imagine that he has a long leash. He's going to have to stand out and do it quickly in order to avoid being surpassed on the train camp depth chart. We're going to need another preseason punt return. You, well, that's it. you got to do something because, like Austin, he's a player who no one is looking at in terms of ability to produce on both offense and special teams. Shakir is a rookie, which basically makes him Schrodinger's kick returner. You don't know if he's good at it or not, So, as, and you've never seen him suck, so as a fan, you go, Woo! Let's see the kid! And you, you say that right up until he fucks up. Right up until he, what, fumbles on the goal line? Takes a punt out of the end zone when he shouldn't? Yep. Uh, gets a kick return and doesn't know enough not to try to break it? Ends up fumbling? It's like, yep. dude, you should have just... Kick return? You had the ball, you should have just gone out of bounds, gone down. Punt return, you could have just ran out of bounds and instead you tried to fight for extra yards and you got stripped. These are all rookie mistakes. And I think it's worth noting, in 2021, there wasn't a single rookie who cracked the the top 15 for yards per return average among qualifying returners. In 2020, there wasn't a single rookie who cracked the top 15 for yards per return average among qualified returners. In 2019... Chris, do you know what I'm about to say? No. Yeah. There wasn't a single rookie who cracked the top 15 for yards per return. (laughs) Leaning on a rookie as a kick returner is a cool idea, and it's not something that I see myself or Sean McDermott ever greenlighting because it it doesn't work. It doesn't work, and Sean McDermott, you see the way he treats rookies. Yeah. Unless he's got to play you, he'll sit you. McKenzie drives everyone nuts, and he's that Colts all access TV show. What was that? It was Hard Knocks? Yeah, Hard Knocks during the season. Okay. They it illustrated that they they knew that they could pick on McKenzie in the return game, and it worked. He fumbled on like our 15-yard line and immediately led to a touchdown. That caused me to leave the stadium and get my ass kicked by a giant pricker bush. I blame McKenzie for this. But he's also the most tenured, surefire thing in terms of returnability. How scary is that? I don't know. Well, we still have Hyde. We still have Hyde, but do you want Hyde returning kicks? No, you don't. So these four are going to duke it out to find out who's the guy. 
Who is the guy? And while they're doing that, it's going to directly feed into the next one, which is final wide receiver spot. I saw an article by a blog that will remain nameless because I don't want to. I don't want people to think that I just come onto this podcast and shit all over them and then take it personally, even if I am kind of kind of shitting on their work. But this article, the paragraph about wide receiver battle, starts off: the Buffalo Bills will most likely keep seven wide receivers. With all due respect, and remember, I'm saying with all due respect, that idea ain't worth a velvet painting of a whale and a dolphin getting it on. Whoever wrote this hasn't done their homework. From 2017 to 2021, the Bills have never kept more than six wide receivers on the active roster. In fact, there was a few times, 2017 and 2018, when they only kept five because the return specialist job wasn't being handled by a wide receiver. In that way, since we already know four of the people who, barring injury, are going to be on the roster at the position, and the only players that profile as kick returners are all in the wide receiver room, the odds are pretty good that we're looking at a multi-person battle for what's likely one wide receiver spot left on the roster. And that person is going to have to make themselves stand out so much that the team looks past Shakir's long-term upside should he not land the kick return job. Chris, they drafted him. They'll probably keep Shakir on the roster if he key, if he shows anything, right? Yeah. Because how many did they made waves about you know, it was widely publicized how other teams were pissed that they that the Bills landed Shakir. If we put him on the practice squad and he has an ability to be signed by anybody, wouldn't you like you wouldn't want to jeopardize that, would you? Because he's obviously a coveted asset by other teams. No, it seems like at this point he's like a roster lock. Oh my god, you said it. If it doesn't happen now, you owe me a Seagrams. Alright, I'm just saying, if, if other teams were mad they got him in the fifth, it seems like if, if he projects throughout camp and has a great camp, you're going to have to keep him on the roster. That way you don't let him walk for nothing. Which means there might only be one other spot up for grabs. I... So look at the contenders, because this is it. Nate Geary came on this podcast, and you can bet your ass that we're going to air the clip next week when he's in the studio, because we wouldn't be living up to our our moniker as the Pettiest Bills podcast if we didn't do this. He said after the 2020 draft that he liked Hodgins more than Davis, and that he basically called his shot saying Hodgins is going to beat out Davis for a roster spot. One of them has... Uh, Chris, Google it. What is... Go, go to Pro Football Reference, Gabe Davis. I want to see how many touchdowns and how many yards does he have to his credit. Well, we know he has 204 and 4 in one game. In one game. Do you want to know how many Isaiah Hodgins has? Career, uh, 32 games, 70 catches, 1148 yards, 13 touchdowns. 13 touchdowns in two seasons. I don't have to have you Google Isaiah Hodgins' stat line. It's fucking zero. <laughs> it's zero. Well, injuries. Did, okay. He was injured his rookie year. What What then? There. We'll look it up. One game. That's One it. game. No stats. No stats. Is this the season? Like, like, first of all, his take on Hodgins versus Davis couldn't be colder if you froze it nice and then handed it to my ex-girlfriend and let her hold it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is this is this the season he breaks out, Chris? 
Or does he cement himself as yet another of Bill's Twitter's all-hype Hall of Fame? No. I think he's got a real hill to climb here to even be in the conversation. I think that I think that belongs to Brandon Riley. Oh, do you, no, no. Yeah, Brandon Riley's up there, too. Fucking guy. Brandon Riley 2.0, Tanner Gentry. How about this? Recently tweeted out a photo of himself with some guy from Barstool, Caleb Presley, some guy from Barstool Sports, and Jordan Poyer. Tweeted out a picture of him and said, my life is complete. I'll say this. That's as close as Tanner Gentry is going to get to an NFL safety this season. Because there is no chance he makes an NFL roster in 2022. There just isn't. And touchdown Jesus, he's a cool story. He's got special teams utility and he's got a great head of hair. He doesn't have a place in this offense, does he? Mm. He's caught a few first downs. Touchdowns. When when you had to turn to him, he's caught a few passes. But is he a guy that you can expect to be? Like, does his special teams ability give him the inside track? I don't think so. You could trade him back to Green Bay. (laughs) Aaron will want him. Especially after losing Devontae Adams? Yeah. Hey, you like this guy so much, give me a fifth for him. It's going to be interesting to find out how that all shakes out. And then, just... Because I'm petty. Cody Ford versus the universe. Not even just diverse, the fucking universe. I'm old enough to remember a time when the Bills' right tackle woes were solved because the Bills traded up in the draft to draft this mountainous offensive lineman with a high-profile collegiate program history that was going to make everything better. Those were fun times. That guy went on to split time his rookie season with a journeyman free agent who I called... You're welcome. I called the signing of Ty Inseki. And, like, basically lost his job to Ty Inseki down the stretch and into the playoffs. But obviously he's a rookie, right? You're raw. It's okay. Next season's going to be the year you put it together. Nothing but growing pains. Oh, look who's coming in. It's Kyle Trimble. He's here. Ah, there we go. The most unprofessional professional podcast just gets a little more unprofessional. Guys, Kyle Trimble just got here. We're gonna, we're in what? the middle of wrapping this podcast up. Kyle, yeah. go yeah. pour yourself a drink, grab some pizza. We will be out with you in a minute. Yeah, thanks for wearing your own apparel, you dumbass. Oh, dude, don't, don't shit on him. Brand awareness. How <laughs> dare you? How dare you, sir? You know what? Yeah, exactly. You give him the finger. I, Chris... This is what I love about this show. There's no rules. We do whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> no. Guy walks in. We don't silently, like, nod him out. No, fuck it. But so everyone's happy, right? They go, okay, well, he'll learn. Well, all of a sudden, the following year, we claim this right, we get this right tackle off the scrap heap. Right? Yeah. The Carolina scrap heap. And he somehow beats Cody Ford for the right tackle job so badly that it makes him a guard. And it didn't go well at guard, but everyone goes, growing pains. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Young guy learning a new position for the first time, got hurt, missed half the season. He'll be better the next go-round. It's going to be fine. Then last season, he saw the field a bunch and was a liability anytime he was on the football field. He graded out as one of the worst offensive linemen in the NFL statistically. He registered a 3.1 out of 100 for a a pro football focus rating against the Washington football team. A 3.1. And I, I remember doing the recap of that game, Chris, where I pointed out 
how many times Cody Ford got beat and Josh Allen is luckily just fast enough that he goes, oh, I see you getting beat. I'll just use that guy's momentum against him, slip behind him, get out into the flat and make a crazy throw. Like that, that's, that was our saving grace. Yeah. The guy might as well not be there. I hate to say this because like it's a trope, right? A road cone could do that guy's job. Comet Flasher, the company that puts out the barrels and the road like signs for the Buffalo Bills games, could lend the Bills a barrel with a blinking light on it, and it would have done the same job Cody Ford did in 2022. Correct. So. I feel like we're not giving this segment the attention it deserves. If only we could get Jay Skursky in here. <laughs> Who's also blocked us. Yeah. And that was that was horseshit because all I did was point out, hey, you kind of did a hack job with your article. Not even hack job. I go, listen, you didn't your premise is flawed. Your premise is flawed that he's going to get cut for cap concerns because he literally will cost the team money if they cut him. And he blocked us on Twitter because I didn't like his article because I thought it was flawed, which it is and was, and Cody Ford even though he sucked ass was still on the roster. We're going to have to have we're going to do a show where we bring in all the people who don't like us and make them talk to us. Mark my words, this is going to happen. Jay Skursky will be here in studio. That sounds like it would be a podcast on the road. Oh, yeah, no, that's, the, a, that, that's a neutral the, site. That's a neutral site. That's a neutral site game. I meant by on the road where we're both wearing new balances and we're running because they're trying to get away from us. <laughs> Cody Ford is now heading into a make or break year. And free agency taught us that Brandon Bean might not give a shit about Cody Ford's future. He signs Roger Saffold to a starter-level contract, follows it up with Ryan Bates, starter-level contract. Uh, Ike Bucker, backup-level contract, even though he's not even healthy enough to play guard right now. Signs inside interior offensive lineman Greg Manns to a backup-level contract, and then Questenberry to a backup-level contract. He backed up our entire offensive line from start to finish with starters and backups, Considering it's his the guy's final year, the fact that our GM literally just avalanched experienced talent onto the roster at this guy's position this offseason, some of the guys that he brought back were guys Ford has been benched for in the past. Doesn't that pretty much send the message that, hey, Cody Ford, we don't need you? Yeah, it does. <laughs> we don't need you. So it's going to be interesting to see... Not just where they slot for in terms of which unit he's working with, because he's obviously not getting time with the ones. That's not going to happen. But if he's out here with the third offensive unit, that's going to speak volumes about what they think about him in regards to his future. But also what he's capable of doing against our backups is going to be fun to watch because we might have one of the deepest defensive line rotations in the conference. They're supposed to be pretty fucking good this year. Jordan Phillips, as a backup, could absolutely eat his lunch. Yeah. Seagram's bet time. Does Cody Ford make the cut this season, Chris? Funny that you bring that up. I have in my hand, you know what this is. This uh, is it's the Seagram's bet board. Third one down. One, two, three. Kyle Trimble, who just walked into the... <laughs> who just walked in here. Hey, Kyle. Come in here. Yeah, what does it say? Read the board. Yep. Kyle, come in here. Listen, wh- why don't you read what the third one down says? Step up to the microphone here. Yeah, use Drew's, Drew's, use Drew's use mic. mic. Third one down. You can pick it up. All right. Kyle, yeah. lamp over forward at guard. 
That was probably one of my worst takes ever. So, and I'm going to pay up tonight. So excuse me while I open this Seagram's for you. <laughs> it's a peach bellini. Oh, guys. All right. So that, that felt good. <laughs> <laughs> Look in your face is priceless, Kyle. Yeah, I don't think Kyle's ever had a... You never had a peach bellini. Had other ones, not this. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> hilarious. All right. So, Chris, you and me, does Cody Ford survive this offseason? Probably not. He has 870000 is his dead cap number. His release would give us $1.5 million in cap space. The guys ahead of him have all accomplished more. I feel like this is a slam dunk. It's a no-brainer. That boy gone. And also, I'd like to say that on a personal note, I can talk about this now. Remember the stake bet that I had to pay off to... Yeah. The stake bet that I paid to uh, Greg Thompson yep. and Aaron Quinn? Yeah, we went to... Uh Aaron Quinn paid for his own dinner. I yeah. I, but I had to buy, you know, a four hundred, five hundred dollar steak dinner with whiskey and all the fixins and everything else at uh, at Chop House. <laughs> you actually came and met us. Yep. Yep. Wait. I saw Cody Ford in the in the uh, parking lot. Okay, so this is it. So we're standing there now. Aaron Quinn. If you guys listen to the Cover One podcast, they're actually recording tonight. So go check out their show at nine o'clock. Uh, well, it's going to be too late, but go check out their show on YouTube. Go support those guys. They're fucking hilarious. But. What's funny is that they <laughs> so we're there when the Aaron, whole day the whole day Aaron Quinn is basically like nobody knows this if you don't talk to him. Aaron Quinn is essentially uh, uh, curb your enthusiasm. Larry David, he's know, basically Larry David or Seinfeld. He's complaining about how he doesn't have any dress clothes because he's a stay at home dad and he's never invested in it. He used to run restaurants and I'm like, dude, put a blazer on and some jeans. So he shows up, blazer, jeans, white New Balance. White New Balance, because he's dad status. And like a Jerry Seinfeld look. And he's complaining about how, man, this sucks. Like, I hate dressing up, blah, 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 blah. This, you know, whatever. This better be passable for getting into the chop house. And as we're standing outside waiting for, like, Aaron's walking up, Cody Ford comes walking by. Like, he's complaining this whole time. Cody Ford comes walking by us wearing a giant red T-shirt that makes him look like the Kool-Aid man. And gray sweatpants and sneakers and just walks through the front door of the chop house. And it's like, and Aaron looks and points and goes, what the fuck? <laughs> Why is this? And I go, dude, that guy's a millionaire. Yeah. They will never throw him out. They live to throw guys like you and me out if we show up in sweatpants. Yeah. But the fact that he wore to one of Buffalo's nicer steakhouses, the fact that he wore sweatpants in there. I want him cut just on principle. I've wanted him gone ever since then. The, that was the moment that I realized I was like, okay, you're not a man of class or stature. I don't want you around. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you, sir? Yeah. Yep. Uh, there's going to be a lot. Of, there's going to be a lot. I can't wait. Like, that's it, Chris. Those are the position battles. And they're basically almost figured out already. And the other ones are fringe. They're they're not integral to our team's success. Yeah. It's amazing that we're in this place. I can't wait to watch it play out as training camp gets off the ground. Next week, Nate Geary is going to join us in studio as we talk about the storylines, the philosophical angles to training camp and what we're all trying to take away from not just camp but the preseason, kind of set the table for how things are going to jump off over the course of the next few weeks and what, what storylines we're going to be following most closely. That's going to be in... Two shows. 
Two the, shows. The next because Kyle Trimble's here tonight. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to record an AFC's roundup where we talk about the injury kind of assessment around the division and show why everybody loves the Buffalo Bills, kind of like we did tonight. Why everyone loves us the way that they do to accomplish the things they think we can. I can't wait to get them in here behind a microphone, but for tonight, we got to get the fuck out of here. Or at least for right now. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This has been your Rock Power Report. <laughs>